0: edition of the Jusco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition.
1: And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from RAGBRAI.
0: This is that podcast where we talk about bicycling for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from all over the RAGBRAI nation. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Yeah. You smiling these days, Mark? Hey, (laughs) So, this is the weekend that I have my bike class. Oh. Uh, I teach a one credit hour pass fail class at the University of Iowa. And okay. uh, we go out and uh, we'll ride six hours ish on Saturday and six hours ish on Sunday. And uh, these are all students. So, it's not, uh, we're not doing six hours of of uh two by pace lines or anything like Mm. that um you know we're taking a casual ride we do some education stuff inside in the classroom and then Mm. take them up to north liberty on the first day and then we take them to hills on the second day Um, so i've got a dozen plus students that uh, i'm going to be shaping young minds and getting them to enjoy bicycling
1: very cool yeah it's fun well, if you put them on like the hills of say Sugar Bottom on their first bike ride, no. um, I think they, you might, you know, get more of that fail than pass fail, like <laughs> on the, you know, because that's a, uh, those are some tricky little hills over there for beginners. Yeah. Real fun if you're, if you're a veteran, but real tough if you're a beginner.
0: You know, we've refined this class over the years and Jennifer and I have kind of done this for about 10 years, um. And we've learned, we want to leave them happy. You don't want mm. to burn them out on bicycling on their first trip. Um, you want them to walk away from this class saying, hey, I could do this again. This was fun. And yeah. so that's really what we've kind of designed this trip around. And, yeah, there's going to be some people that don't enjoy it, but most of the time, everybody's like, this is awesome, and I get a credit hour for this. This is great. Mm. So, yeah, that's what we're going for. Well,
1: cool. Yeah, cool. Well, I know we're still in March Madness. We're technically still in March. Most people will be listening to this podcast in March. Um, I think the only team that survived out of all those teams is the Iowa women's basketball team. They're in the Sweet Sixteen. Shout out to the to the Lady Hawks there. Um, nice, nice little, nice little job getting to the Sweet Sixteen. Good luck to you. I know they got a game this weekend against uh, North Carolina State. So I think uh, everyone will be pulling for for the Iowa women's basketball team.
0: Yeah, Jennifer and I went to both those games uh, for the tournament, and it was great. It's fantastic to watch them play. And uh, they're a strong team. So hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we get them into the Elite Eight. I think that's the, the next big step that they're focused on.
1: Yep. One game at a time, right? Right. right. Well, well, good. It's always fun to go for a nice little bike ride, come back. You know, have a little have a little meal, watch a little basketball this time of year. You know, you're you're still kind of cold on the bike because it. it you know, even if it says it's fifty degrees out there, <laughs> fifty degrees on a bike is pretty cold. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think some some great wisdom person said, you know, there is no bad weather, just bad clothing. Uh um uh, yeah yes and no it's still pretty darn cold out there even if you've if you've got the right clothes and we've talked about all the different pogey lights and all those different things of Uh of what'll make your hands a little bit warmer but there's nothing like that wind smacking you in the face and um just reminding you that hey it's still only march
0: right right
1: but but it's still better to get out (laughs) <laughs> you know, than being on <laughs> the trainer gets old after a little while, so uh, it's good. It's good to get out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still working in the Capitol, believe it or oh, not. Yeah? Well, mm. I'm not. I'm not in the Capitol. I've got uh, I've got peeps over at the Capitol, um, so uh, yeah, we got a lot going on. Um, we have a we have a thing that's happening that we're a little concerned about, uh, where they may reduce the trail funding formula and this is a tough one it's just killing us um, uh, they're, they're looking it's no more than a discussion phase at this point but we're going to be issuing an action alert next week uh, asking people in Iowa to contact a legislator and this is an all hands, hands on deck sort of thing because this not only affects what's going on next year but once this passes there's really not a lot of hope for getting it amended in the hmm. future so Um, this formula that was set up was set up uh, eight eight years ago, um, and it was the formula in place when Iowans voted on the Conservation Trust Fund. And Hmm. uh, 63% of Iowans uh, voted for it. 80% of Iowans support it now. Um, They just haven't funded it yet, but one of the little things that could happen is that they can amend this formula, take money out of trails, and put it someplace else. Uh, So we're hoping... Uh, that, uh, there's enough people, uh, that contact their legislators that they know that they could lose votes, uh, if, uh, if they vote in favor of taking away trail money. Sure. Um, so it's, a, it's a net vote sort of arrangement, you know, because there are, there are, and I hate to say this, but there are legislators that if they vote for more trail funding, they would get more votes in their district and vice versa. If they voted against trail funding, people might actually be more inclined to vote for them. Um, yeah. you know, I hate to think that it's that way in the world, but it is that way in the world in some places. Wow. Uh, but if we prove it, that every district has people that are watching this issue, they'll be less inclined to take action and, and reduce the funding. They'll keep it as it is or, or increase it. So this is an all hands on deck alert that we're going to question. Yeah. Yep. That
1: yep. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, I know some of the trails are really, really in bad shape after, you know, this round of flooding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously the Raccoon River... Valley Trail, one of the one of the marquee trail systems in in the state of Iowa, you know, lost a bridge over in that Cooper area. Um, it's pretty much that spoke. It's not on the tra- trail system that we use for, say, the Bay Coon ride, but that northern um, spike that goes up to Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You know, losing a bridge there is obviously, you know, not not a good thing, especially when they're you know funds are at a you know uh, scarce and and stuff like that. So right. hopefully. Hopefully we can get that that done. I'm sure uh, the people that work on that trail system are looking at all different types of ways that we can get that repaired. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not just that that trail. I mean, when we have you know roadways, I mean like Interstate 29 um, south of Council Bluffs that you know is under underwater and they can't get um, vehicles to get those roads repaired. Um, it it you know it, it definitely sets a, a tone that hey, there's a, there's a lot of people hurting over there yeah. and um, you know we're in that area for RAGBRAI so mm-hmm. I'm I'm really not counting on a whole lot of um, support from the local engineers and local DOT because you know they've they obviously have a bigger task at, at hand trying to get people you know to their farms and their livelihoods and all that so yeah. so we're going to be watching I mean all that all that kind of stuff I mean what, what trails and, and roads and, and all that but you know, you, when you think of the big picture, you know, there's more important things than a bike ride, but um, uh, hopefully people can take that understanding into this yeah. summer that things may not be perfect.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's what's nice about this conservation bond that we're working on is, or conservation trust fund that we're working on, is it creates a separate pool of money. Um, so you're not having to make that decision of, do I want to fix the road that flooded or do I want to fix the trail that flooded? Um, this is mm-hmm. this would create a different pool so so when that trail bridge gets flooded out, uh there would be a, a pool of money that's substantial enough that could provide for the repairs to fix that. Um yeah. and likewise, uh there's still money that could be left that could build oh, up to build or maintain up to forty-five miles of trail per year. I mean that finishes sure. the Cedar Valley Nature Trail uh in pavement. That's the plywood trail out in Sioux City to LaMars. Um that's uh eventually going to build the trail from Okaboji to Des Moines or Des Moines to Omaha. I mean, those are those are huge projects that suddenly yeah. become
1: feasible. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's it's you gotta you gotta bring up that stuff because mm-hmm. you know if people don't know what they're could be missing out on, it would be really sad. So, sure. so I think that's one of the roles of of the Iowa Bike Coalition to Absolutely. have that voice uh, through throughout the state. And so, so keep that up. You know, keep keep shouting to the rooftops, mm-hmm. marked of letting people know what's what's at stake here, and it's not something they take lightly. And you know, I'm I'm sure you haven't cried wolf on issues when when you know it's all hands. I mean, it's there's not too many issues like that. So pay attention when when there's those issues uh, that pop up and when they say, hey, we need your help. um, Let's answer the call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. What do we got on the podcast today?
1: got bob sharp from over in jefferson he's talking i don't know if you know bob but he's he's a you know pretty much an everyday cyclist um he's also uh training in. i I think the league now calls it um smart cycle Mm -hmm. instead of it used to be i don't know if they had a a moniker before but it was bike ed or something like that for um, trying to ride safe i think they're still calling the lci instructors but but Bob's, you know, talking about cycling and um, you know getting out. Pretty much, I think he's cycled every day for for about two years. And cool. um, I'm going to say that's quite the accomplishment, knowing what winter we just went through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So even going going down to you know check the mail would be would be a bike ride that I don't know if you'd want to do. So um, so yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to hear uh, morphology talking to Bob Sharp over in Jefferson. Awesome.
2: Go Bike podcast listeners, a.k.a. Murph here, and with me today is Mr. Bob Sharp. Hey, Bob.
3: Hi, Murph. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. So, a friend of Bob's wrote into us at Just Go Bike and thought Bob would be great to talk to, and he gave us a few highlights of why we should talk to Bob, and I was very intrigued. So, here we are. Uh, we should probably give a quick shout out to Jamie and tell him or her thanks for the email. I'm hoping you know a person named Jamie.
3: I know Jamie. Okay. I know Jamie well.
2: Good, good. Well, let's get started. Um, Bob, maybe give us some highlights of where you live and what bicycling is like where you live.
3: Sure, Murph. I, I live in Jefferson, which is in Greene County. We're about an hour northwest of Des Moines. And. When I think about living in Jefferson, I think of it as kind of like a Dutch or a Danish village Mm -hmm. because it's really possible to cycle just about everywhere here. Um, We have a traditional Midwestern courthouse square, um, and there's a lot of shops and restaurants and that sort of thing around the square. Uh, But we're also at the north end of the Raccoon River Valley Trail. and Mm -hmm. We can take the trail all the way to Des Moines and beyond. So it's a lot of fun. We cycle just about everywhere.
2: And did I read somewhere, might have been on one of your blogs, or maybe Jamie mentioned it, that you chose Jefferson? Uh, One of the reasons you chose to live in Jefferson was the Great Bike Trails?
3: Yeah. When uh, we decided that we wanted to live in Iowa, we were living in Utah at the time, and one of the things that drew us to Iowa was the fact that there are a lot of bike trails Mm -hmm. in Iowa. And we didn't know where we were going to end up. We actually had an apartment when we first moved here in suburban Des Moines. And we drove up to Carroll to look at a house. And on the way back, we stopped in Jefferson. And we really liked it a lot. And we realized the Raccoon River Valley Trail was there. And the rest is history, as
4: they say.
2: Nice, nice. Well, we utilize the Raccoon River Valley Trail for a couple of our bike rides. And um, I'm on it as much as I can be when I get up to your neck of the woods. But I'm sure maybe some listeners know who are in your... Um, area of the state, but a major bridge is out on the Raccoon River Valley Trail.
3: It is. Uh, it's the the river crossing. Uh, it's an old railroad trestle. I think it's about 100 years old, uh, but it's just two miles south of Jefferson. So it's really, if you're coming up from Des Moines, it's really almost at the end of the trail. But if you live in Jefferson, it, it has the exact opposite impact. You only go two miles south of town and and then you're confronted with this obstacle. And, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a, a five-mile detour. The the shortest detour is probably about five miles on gravel roads and some paved county road. Um, and if you need pavement the whole way, it's probably closer to 10 miles. But uh, you can get around it.
2: Hmm. Um, we could maybe do a, a little side note. If there's somebody out there looking for a part-time job, maybe we could get them to do some sort of boat to uh, get bicycles across the river there.
3: <laughs> yeah, like a little ferry? Yeah, like a <laughs> yeah, good.
2: a little I like that. mini ferry and maybe they, you know, there's they work just during day hours or something like that, but yeah, stay tuned on if that'll happen or not, but um, I I'm like ass- it. I'm assuming this bridge, especially based on the location that you mentioned, it's definitely changing your cycling schedule.
3: A little bit. Um, I, I still go every day, uh, but I've obviously had to choose my routes a little bit more carefully.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I, I wanted to ride a century last Saturday, and uh, so I, w- I was going to take the trail down to uh, Des Moines before the bridge went out, and then I said, well, I have to you know, do the work around, so I did it, and I got down to Cooper, which is the first town south of the bridge, and the trail was still snowed in, oh. and so then I had to kind of backtracked and take county roads all the way down to Dawson which is about halfway down and then I was able to pick up the trail and go into Des Moines but you know on a daily basis it used to be just as simple as saying go out my front door go two blocks east get on the trail and not worry about it and now I have to think a little bit more about where I'm going and you know what time of day it is what the traffic's like that sort of thing um, but I still get out
2: hmm. and um so it is true that you cycle almost every day?
3: It's been like that for a while now, yeah. Um, a little over two years without a miss.
2: Wow. So um, I'm guessing I'm not the only listener thinking right now of those days when it was 30 below windshield, or, you know, the ice was just ridiculous. How how did you make it through those days on a bike?
3: I, I had a feeling you were going to ask me about <laughs> those days, Murph. Because everybody, everybody wants to talk about those days. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird. But after you do it a few times, I mean, you know, what's odd at first becomes normal very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you just, you learn, Um, you you make adjustments, obviously. Um, I wouldn't, you know, on a day when it's very, very cold, I wouldn't want to ride straight out 20 or 30 miles from home and turn around and come back Mm -hmm. Uh, because if I had a problem, you know, 20 miles away, it could be pretty serious and I'm not going to change a tire on the side of the road or the side of the trail when it's 20 or 30 below wind chill factor. So uh, I I change my routes and I stay a little bit closer to home. And, you know, if I get cold, that makes it easier to bail out. And, um, you know, I try not to I try not to be too structured in terms of, you know, saying, oh, I have to go 20 or 30 miles today or whatever the case may be. If if I'm not feeling it, I make adjustments.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have a couple of blogs out on the web that people may enjoy checking out, and I think we should mention them at some point in this podcast. Um, but one quote I pulled off, uh, one of them is this, the art of winter riding, staying warm and staying upright. Can you tell us like a little bit about what that means because, you know, of course staying upright is important, but like you mentioned, you know, when you have ice or wind or all of that good stuff, I mean, is it, is it truly just about your equipment or is it also a mindset?
3: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, for me, I guess, I guess it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that has to go into it. I think, you know, I think most things tend to be, most of our obstacles tend to be mental more than physical. Um, and then there is a, a process of getting used to it. But for me, um, you know, it's, it's making sure that I'm dressed properly for it. Um, and then I'm, you know, I can be pretty comfortable as long as I'm dressed properly. Mm-hmm. And if you're comfortable, it's no big thing. Um, it's when you get uncomfortable if you're you're and it always starts at the extremities you know your toes your fingers your your head those are the areas that are really when it's really really cold you really have to think about and make sure that you're dressed properly so that they stay warm and if they do then you know it can be delightful i mean people ski and snowmobile and ice fish and do all that stuff in the winter um, there really isn't any reason from a comfort level that you can't bicycle as well, if that's what you want to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, as far as the staying upright goes, that's a little trickier, <laughs> right? Because, you know, when it's icy, I have a tendency to go down. Right. Uh, I've gone down four or five times this winter, nothing serious. Um, but it's always a shock. And there's always a, a, a little bit of a state of disbelief when it's happening, that it's happening again. And mm-hmm. uh, because I try to take proper care and things of that nature. But the way I look at it is like this. I mean, if you go out skiing, you're going to fall. I mean, most people who ski fall and they expect to fall. And, you know, you learn how to fall and it's no big deal. And, you know, if you're on a bike in the winter, I guess it's not all that much different than skiing a lot of the time.
2: And you usually have uh, quite a bit of padding on your body, you know, with all your layers. So you're you're right in that aspect.
3: A lot of padding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, right. Um, so kind of going along with that, you know, you're doing some trail riding. I'm assuming that gravel is part of your um, routine as well, being in Jefferson, Iowa. Um, you have a pretty cool blog. Uh, I think that you just started it recently called Old Man Gravel. Um, the specific The specific website is oldmangravel.wordpress.com and i thoroughly enjoyed reading some of your entries um a couple days ago but um how did old man gravel become a blog
3: you know it's it's interesting i had another blog called pedal free mm-hmm. and i started that when i first really started to become serious about cycling again and i thought i wanted to be an advocate because i thought that wow you know if if i can tell stories that get people to ride bikes you know, it'll improve their lives. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a good thing. Um, But, you know, most people, they don't necessarily want to do what they should do or the kinds of things that, you know, might lead to health or things of that nature. They want to have fun, though. Uh, Most people want to have fun. Uh, And I think that for me, at the end of the day, the thing that's the greatest about bicycling is that it's just fun.
4: Mm -hmm. I mean, when
3: I go out on a bike, it's like being a kid again. Um, and I think that that's the, you know, and when, when I went to, to my seminar for bike league training, one of the things they asked us was to tell a story about the first time we remember being on a bicycle and oh.
4: for just about
3: everybody who was there, it was childhood memories,
4: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And,
3: and they were invariably just great memories. I mean, not just good, but I mean, really great memories. Uh, and that's what bicycling is. And so I, I came across I, can't, I decided to make a change, and I came across the name Old Man Gravel a while back, and because I'm old, first of all, <laughs> uh, and because I really like to ride gravel. But I, I, I remember in the NBA playoffs, the San Antonio Spurs— Tim Duncan was referred to as Old Man Riverwalk. Mm. And that just kind of stuck. And I thought, okay, Tim Duncan is Old Man Riverwalk. I can be Old Man Gravel, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so that's where the name came from. But the idea behind the blog is just to share stories that are fun for the most
2: part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. I read them and I was entertained and I learned a few things.
3: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. I'm glad they had that impact.
2: Yeah. And I also was able to locate, um, I don't know how active you are on the pedal anymore, but those blogs were also pretty cool.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate
4: that.
2: Yeah. So, okay. I've, you know, given you some praise now. One more thing, <laughs> S- Seattle to Portland in one day on a bicycle. Is that true? It's true. Wow. We're talking what? Um, Got to be close to 200 miles.
3: 204.8.
2: 204.8. So give the listeners a little idea of what that day was like.
3: The day was probably the best day of my bicycling life. Whoa. Um, and I'll, I think I know why. It, well, It's fabulous, first of all. I mean, Seattle is a fabulous place, and Portland is a fabulous place, mm-hmm. and Countryside between the two is mostly fabulous. I mean, there were a couple of stretches that you know were were along relatively busy highways, but for the most part uh, it was it was just a beautiful day. I got to see a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, and that was pretty special too. He lives out there and he was the I, he was the impetus behind me uh, riding it to begin with mm. and when I went into it, I really didn't have any expectations of myself. Uh, I studied the course because I'm a little bit of a a map person to begin with and they had posted the course out there. And so I had a real good feel for the course and, and, you know, some of the major landmarks along the way and that sort of thing. And as we were riding, I was just amazed at how quickly it was all going. I mean, we'd go through a place and I'd go, wow, you know, I studied this and here we are already, we're already Hmm. here.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And, um, so it, it was just one of those things that I started it with the idea of, well, we'll see how this goes and how far I make it, and and then all of a sudden I was was rolling past the sign that said entering Portland and crossing the St. John's Bridge, and wow. it was really a neat day,
2: yeah. really a
3: really a fun time.
2: Yeah, that's that's just amazing. Um, you, I think I read somewhere that you have some. Um, new goals in 2019, some gravel race goals. Is that um, something yeah. you can share with us?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, Jefferson is in Green County, which is a rural county. So we have a lot of gravel roads. And I'd read before we ever moved to Iowa about Iowa gravel. And it's pretty, pretty legendary around the country. And I think growing more legendary with the passage of time. And so the idea was always to get involved on gravel in some way, shape or form. And so I've started riding it and I like it. And, um, I was on my computer and I think it was in December or January and a notice came up on Facebook for a race in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I said, I think I'll sign up for that because we used to live in Colorado and I like Steamboat Springs. And so I signed up and got in. And then after I got in, They sold out in like two days and I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal. Um, But then I was intrigued and so I started looking for other events and I found some events closer to home that I'll be riding as well. And so I'm really looking forward to them. I I don't know what to expect. It's kind of like Seattle to Portland in that regard. Um, But I'm sure it'll be fun and uh, I'll probably learn a lot along the way too.
2: Yeah. And the nice thing about gravel racing is that you have uh, plenty of opportunities for training, Like there is just gravel everywhere. So whether um, I know a lot of the gravel races in Iowa um, keep their routes secret till the day of, especially the ones that, you know, are um, you're on your own the the entire day. So you may not know the terrain, but gravel is gravel. I mean, you know, the quality of the gravel can change, but the fact that you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, you've always got a hill in front of you, those kinds of things.
3: It's it's funny that you mentioned that, um, because I really like that concept of not knowing the course until the day before. Mm-hmm. And the the whole you are responsible for you ethos when you're out on the course just really appeals to me. So, uh, I'm, I, I, you know, as time goes on, I'm looking forward to those races more than the one in Steamboat. Um, so we'll see.
2: Yeah. When is your first race? What month?
3: Uh, it's coming up. It's uh the Almanzo in Northfield, Minnesota on May 18th, I believe it is.
2: Oh yeah, that is coming up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um well besides being a gravel rider, a one-day 200-miler, uh pedal every day guy, uh you also are a cycling instructor of sorts. Um specifically it's called SMART, S M A R T. And um, I was hoping that you could take a few moments to describe what smart cycling is.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm really passionate about smart cycling. um, And I don't know what the acronym means. I I probably should know that, but I don't. Um, But smart cycling is the curriculum that was put together by the League of American Bicyclists that's basically targeted at anybody who really from I would say late teens through retirement age who rides a bicycle Mm -hmm. um, and and who maybe wants to ride a bicycle more for transportation purposes. Um, It's really interesting to me. A lot of people will say, well, you know, I don't like to ride on the streets. I like to ride on, on trails or I like to ride on protected bike lanes or something like that. And I certainly understand that. I mean, I've been to Holland eight times, and so I've seen the infrastructure that they have in places like Amsterdam, and it's really, really nice. But we don't have that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have bits and pieces of it. And if you're really serious and you want to get out on the bicycle sooner or later, you're going to find yourself on a street or a road where you might be a little bit uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or maybe you don't necessarily know the safest way to ride. Smart cycling will teach you that so that when you find yourself in those situations, even if it's not something that you want to do every day, you know how to react to it. And, and so that's where I really think the value of that course comes comes into play.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a point um, from what you just talked about, you know, when I uh, bike on a trail, um, my mind is not moving quite as fast as when I'm biking on a road. Because when I'm biking on a road, I'm also, you know, paying more attention to what's behind me, what's in front of me, who's turning, can I hear a car, can I see a car, those sorts of things where when I'm on the trail, I'm like, oh, is that a cardinal? That's pretty, you know, those those sorts of things. (laughs) Um, And neither are my favorite or my least favorite. You know, being on roads, um, there's a lot more hazards, but I'm assuming with smart cycling, you know, with the instructing, you learn how to adapt to that.
3: You do. And interestingly enough, uh, Murph, I think that, you know, there are hazards on trails too. And people oftentimes, you know, they underestimate the trail hazards and they overestimate the road hazards. Um, And so uh, as far as trails go, smart cycling also teaches you what the hazards you might encounter on trails are and how to avoid them.
2: Mm -hmm. So is this class something that, um, you know, just a normal person like myself can take or is it more for businesses or tell us a little bit about the actual class
3: the actual class is, uh it's a 16-hour class it takes place over two days and ideally you know a, a friday starting in the afternoon and going into the evening and and then a saturday oftentimes works really well um, you can take it as an individual mm. you can take it as a member of a civic group or as part of a corporate organization, I think that the class would benefit anybody who finds themselves riding on the road, though.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and I know that when when I took mine, because in order to become an instructor, one of the prerequisites, prerequisites, excuse me, is that you have to take the class yourself. Um, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned a lot of things that were very counterintuitive to me, that have really stuck with me.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm super intrigued by it. Um, So how can somebody find out more about smart cycling?
3: The easiest way is to go to my website at Mm pedalfree.net and there's a form when they go to that page. There's a form that they can fill out. It's just name and email address and that. And I'll circle back with them and schedule a time to talk and we can talk in detail about what's involved in the class and they can decide whether or not it's something they want to do.
2: And I think I read somewhere that you are willing to travel. If somebody, you know, if there's a class set up, you've got maybe six or seven participants, you, you'll you go there.
3: Yeah, I'll go just about anywhere in, you know, Iowa and I would say eastern Nebraska, maybe down into the northern parts of Kansas and Missouri uh, and southern Minnesota and that little corner of South Dakota where Sioux Falls is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're all you know, within, you know, by car, they're just a few hours from here. Some of them I could probably bike
2: to as well. (laughs) Right. Well, so speaking of the smart cycling and just, you know, your um, vast knowledge of cycling, what tips can you share for people who already ride on roads with traffic?
3: I think the most important thing, uh, and this is something that I come across time and time again, is to recognize That you belong on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a legal right to be there. And most motorists, and this is particularly true in Iowa, or at least in the part of Iowa where I live, most motorists are very courteous. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want to harm cyclists. There's a few that probably have issues, um, but there's a few cyclists that have issues as well. (laughs) Um, You know, so I, I think you need to recognize that you belong. Um, and, um, uh, you need to ride in a manner that suggests that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that means, you know, obviously obeying all of the traffic laws. Um, and it's weird, you know, um, I'll stop at stop signs and motorists will wave me through and I don't want to go through because they were there first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who's coming the other way, so I'll insist that they go through and, you know, there's subtle little things that you can do that kind of get the message across, like take your foot off the pedal and put it on the ground. And then they, you know, I think in most motorists mind, it registers that you're not going anywhere for a little while.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so all of that stuff is, you know, really helpful. And um, uh, it really uh, gives you, I, I think, a, a completely different and better experience when you're riding on the road, if you're aware of that, um, but I think it's a, 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 there's two pieces to it. One is that recognition that you belong there um, and that you have the right to be there. And then the other piece is the recognition that with that right comes obligations to ride a certain way.
2: Very well said. Very well said. Um, how about some advice that you'd offer someone new to cycling, maybe who, you know, isn't quite ready for road traffic, but at least is out there on a bike?
3: I love this question. (laughs) Um, This is my favorite question. Um, I think back to my own experience and why I've stuck with the bike for as long as I have, because I've had other hobbies in life, right? Um, They've come and gone, but this one has persisted. This one has prevailed. And I think my experience is that I've never taken it too seriously. Um, It's always been about fun first and foremost. Um, people ask me why I cycle every day and, and it's, it's a funny question because why wouldn't I, I have fun when I do it Mm -hmm. and it's an excuse to go out and play and, and be a kid again, you know, if only for a little while. And so, you know, that would be my suggestion to people. There's a lot of people that take cycling very, very seriously. And of course there's nothing at all wrong with that. Um, but you know, decide what you want it to be and have fun with it. Um, there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, whatever works for you is good. So just get out and ride. I think it was Eddie that said that just ride. Yeah. Um, and so I would add just play, you know, think of it as fun time. Um, I think that if you find the time to play every day, you'll find that it'll transform your life in a lot of other ways that you never began to dream of.
2: Nice. Yeah. It's pretty easy to smile when you're on a bicycle.
3: It's hard not to,
4: isn't it?
2: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, the last question, which is very important um, to the Just Go Bike podcast. What is your favorite pie?
3: Oh, my. This sounds like a trick question to me. (laughs) Can I answer all of the above?
2: Every pie is your favorite pie?
3: I've not met a, well, maybe a rhubarb pie. I don't, I don't know. Um my favorite I'm going to go with pumpkin. Mm. Pumpkin with a big dollop of Iowa whipped cream.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pumpkin yeah, I pie. Love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie it's all about the crust too. Oh,
3: it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: That sounds delicious. And it's
3: not just for Thanksgiving.
2: That's right. Yeah. Although it's pretty hard to find a piece of pumpkin pie on Ragbrae.
3: Yeah, probably is. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you'll have to save it for your non rag bike rides.
3: There you go. Yeah. Well, if can I get French silk on rag
2: Oof, you'd have to find a refrigerated area. Uh-oh. But then you get into a whole okay, well, a whole new field of key lime and, oh my, we could talk pie for a whole yeah. episode, I think.
3: See what I'm getting at here? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so the person that's going to have the ferry system on the trail should also have a cooler full of pie, and they'll get extra Absolutely. tips.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. I've, somebody, somebody needs to start that business up because mm-hmm. it would be, I would be, a, you know, they need a one of those frequent customer cards too, because I would be there every day.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully somebody out there is listening and has a, the means to make a ferry, a very small ferry, but that's all you need. There you go. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed learning about you and about how you ride. And um, it's been great.
3: Murph, thanks for having me. It's been fun speaking with you. Um, And hopefully I will see you out on the trail or the road one day soon.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, real quick. Um, pedalfree.net is where you can go to find out more about smart, smart cycling and also to read some of Bob's um, previous blogs. And then his current one is oldmangravel.wordpress.com. So go check it out. And thank you for being a great Jesco Bike Podcast listener. I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from today's guest, Bob Sharp. His quote is, The real beauty of cycling, simplicity. Think about it.
1: Okay, we've come to the end of, believe it or not, another edition of the Jisco Bike Podcast. Wow, these have been fun. They actually just fly by. I mean, we've been doing these. This is, I think, edition number 111. And so if you wow. think about that, wow. Wow is right. Holy smokes, we've been doing a lot of these. So, And we're fortunate because we have some really cool sponsors. And who are those sponsors, Mark?
0: Uh, Bikes to you out of Grinnell, Iowa. If you're looking for a bike shop, if you're looking for with women's clothing, if you're looking for a rag bright charter, they got it all. So visit Bikes to you in Grinnell. Think Iowa City and its curious surrounding communities. We happen to be hosting the Big Grove Bike Ride at Big Grove Brewery that tackles, I think, three of the Think Iowa City's curious surrounding communities. Uh, so we're pretty excited to, uh, to be uh, working with that group. Uh, but if you're looking for a cool place to ride a bike, Think Iowa City. And then finally, finally Primal Wear. If you're looking for custom bike, jerseys, shorts, or other apparel, Go no further than Wear. Hey, have you seen some of their new line stuff that they that they do? Yeah. Did? Yeah. They got like a tide knockoff logo and they got some baseball stuff. Yeah. And- they got some cool stuff. Yeah, out there.
1: well, opening season they got to put the, you know all those Cub fans and you know I'm sure there's some White Sox fans out there somewhere in this world, but yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. to see some of that that stuff uh, out there. And I know they've got uh, yeah. the other one that kind of I, I enjoyed was their their bottoms up. So they had the uh, craft <laughs> craft beer jerseys and their um, you know cool cool shorts as usual. So um, yeah, cool. yeah, so all all good stuff. Yeah. It's good to have yeah. good to have them. So, hey, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, I don't know what you're thinking because, you know, we're having a lot of fun each and every week talking about, you know, that fun side of cycling. People are starting to get out. I'm I'm starting to feel it. I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm starting to feel each and really? every week we get a little bit closer to uh to happiness out there. And it's not a struggle. I mean, it's getting warmer. Um the weather's getting better and better and better. So, uh I'm I'm really excited about the uh change of seasons and um Boy, just seeing more people out there. I mean, just, just getting out there and going and biking, and that's that's what this is all about. Just go have fun out there and enjoy the bicycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Any any words to leave our, our trusty listeners with this week, Mark?
0: You know, I'm sticking on the stay visible part. Uh, I biked down to uh, meet you guys the other yeah. day and uh we had dinner with the, the big grove folks and it was great and i got on my bike turned the light on and the little red light popped up so make sure you keep your lights charged this time of year it's that's pretty important yes yes so if, if, that's the you got to have the that visibility lesson, yeah. Do you have
1: that little device where you can have the hamster on the treadmill or something like that to power that light on the bike or is it, you know, um no. or solar or any anything like that? What happens when you have a, a dead dead battery in your light and you're out on a on a ride?
0: My wife came up with this great idea. I think this is brilliant. And I I didn't this is just so obvious that I didn't think about it. But those there's little tiny battery chargers that they give you to charge your cell phone. Yeah man, I'm going to tuck one of those in my bike bag just in case because then I can charge my light if I need that's to. That's a good idea. They're so, all USB yeah, powered, it seems, right? Yeah, it's a really great idea. So, yeah, next yep. time. Next God, time I'll do yeah, that.
1: That's, that's, that's why you married someone smart like that right there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly why. One more reason there, Mark. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you, trusty listeners. We will catch you next week. Appreciate you tuning in each and every week, and uh, we'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.